The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to be talking about relationship myths, because you know, In all the work that I've been doing as a therapist over the past 33 years of my mental health experience, I have learned that one of the biggest problems that people have in relationships is they live into their relationships uh, out of a kind of mythology that they have in their mind about what is supposed to be happening in that relationship. And since it's not happening, they wonder what uh, uh, someone is doing wrong, and it's usually not them, it's usually the other party. So we're going to be talking about that today. Some of the ideas that we're going to run over are, you know, is there really a, somebody on a white horse who will come and save uh, the poor damsel in distress? Doesn't love mean she can read my mind? Isn't sex the solution to every problem in our relationship? Well, those and others we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so you want to be here for the whole show. And uh, I want to make an announcement before we go any further with regard to the uh, Super Soul Sunday series uh, is going to be repeating now um and um but i do want to tell you about a life class coming up oprah winfrey network own has announced that registration is now open for a reignite your life your path to strength confidence and clarity on an all-new own class life class online course from number one new york best time selling author and high performance coach brendan burchard the three-part course will begin on October 24th and is currently open for registration at, get your pens ready, ownlifeclasses.com slash life. That's pretty simple. In this new course, Brendan offers step-by-step instructions and exercises to help students take charge of their lives, strip away fear, find authentic confidence, and experience a more joyful and fulfilling life. So sign up today, ownlifeclasses.com slash life. So, as I said, today we're going to be talking about what it is that um, keeps us from having an authentic relationship because we're living into a mythology about what relationship ought to be. And one of the primary fantasies that we have is that of the fantasy lover. You know, most of us have a lot of ideas about what sexuality should be and should not be and what um, being in love is and what that should feel like and what should be happening in a relationship with someone with whom you're in love, all of those ideas fall under the category of the fantasy lover. So let's talk about who the fantasy lover is. Generally speaking, the fantasy lover is someone who does everything, everything, exactly like we have imagined it ought to go. And that can be real individual. So um, a certain kind of sex, 
a certain kind of interaction, a certain kind of way of saying goodbye, a certain kind of way of saying hello, a certain way, a way of romancing, a certain way of living together. All of these things must be met in order for the fantasy lover to, to be who he's supposed to be, he or she is supposed to be. And of course, this runs across the, uh, the board regardless of uh, sexual orientation. This is not relative to heterosexuals only or to marriage only. It's, it's relative to relationships, romantic relationships of any kind. So, um, you know, the fantasy lover is supposed to be Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie in the hottest bedroom scene you've ever seen in any movie anywhere. And if it's not, then something's wrong and, and we're doing it wrong and we need to do it better. And it, it means you don't love me. And it means that we're not really in love or we're not really soulmates because we've got this all wrong. Um, or, or because we stumbled and fumbled a bit while we were making love. And, I, and I, you know, what I tell people is the truth not the mythology. The truth is that we teach each other how to make love to each other. That's a more realistic paradigm about what really happens in a real long-term committed relationship where people uh, manage to stay in love for years and manage to continue to respect and honor each other for years and manage to be happy together for years. Uh, they teach each other how to, to make love. And by making love, I don't just mean have sex. I mean make love in every area of your life so that, so that when you are uh, in the kitchen cooking together, you're making love. When, you're, um, when you are arguing about who didn't take out the trash, you're still making love. When you're, uh, when you're deciding what to do about parenting, you're making love. Now, I included an argument in there deliberately because arguing is a part of making love. And that does not fit into the fantasy lover paradigm that most of us have. Most of us have a fantasy lover paradigm where there are no arguments. We don't argue. Why? Because you do everything the way I want you to. Why would we need to argue, right? So uh, as long as you're doing everything the way I want you to, so, you know, no problem. But, of course, there is no such person on the planet who will do everything the way you want them to. Um, and, but as in so, arguments are going to be a part of how we make love to each other. Now, what do I mean by that crazy statement? What I mean is that a good, healthy argument brings people to a deeper level of understanding of each other and a deeper level, therefore, of intimacy. So what is intimacy? Intimacy is not just having sex, although sex is, is one, in, one part of the intimacy dynamic. But intimacy is knowing each other and allowing each other room to know each other more and more and more and more over the years so that you're not hiding things from each other, that you're discussing what really goes on inside of you, that you're opening up your, your um, vest, so to speak, and you're, you're letting somebody in to all the dark and light places inside of you, the things that you're afraid of, the things that, that make you feel ashamed, the things that bother you, the things that worry you, the things that make you feel lack of confidence, the things that make you feel insecure. You're giving that information to the other person um, because you want them to know you, not because uh, you want, them, want to give them control of your life or because... Um, you think you ought to or because you're robotically just giving information. No, it's rather because you want to allow this person to really know you in all its glory, including its dark and its light side. So um, 
the in the fantasy lover doesn't have a dark side. <laughs> the fantasy lover is all light and love and happiness and bliss and wonder, and um, so there's no there's no need for an argument. There's no need for any kind of problems. Everything goes well, and if there is a problem, it's an outside problem, and fantasy lover swoops right in and takes right care of it really fast, so we don't really have to worry about that. Now, you, you think I'm exaggerating this, but I promise you I'm not. That fantasy and lover exists in, a, in the back of our minds. We want a mommy, daddy, lover, friend, uh, rescuer, um, uh, financier, all of that wrapped up into one person. And, and we want that because we're scared. We want that because we're afraid that if we don't have that fantasy lover to take care of us, then things are going to go awry and, and, and we won't know how to handle it and neither will they and then we'll just go down the tubes. And uh, so because we have that fear, we've made up a fantasy lover in our head to compensate for that fear. Uh, but that's all it is. It's a, it's a mental abstraction that's a compensation for fear. Yet, you might not believe when I say to you that many times when people come into therapy, the reason they're in therapy is because they want to uh, they they want to tell me that uh, my my lover, my husband, my wife, my partner, my whoever is not living up to the fantasy lover that I had in my mind when I was when I married or committed to him or her, uh, and. It's you know, like they're coming in to tell on me. I tell on this partner. I'm going to tell on him. I'm going to tell my mommy that that my lover is not meeting up to the standard that I have in my head. And and they're pretty surprised when they find out the standard is, is based in a mythology. So I want to just really put that out there and lay that down. So that's it's a kind of way that, where this fantasy lover almost covers everything else that we're about to say, but I want to get into more detail about what, what's really uh, going on there in relationship as we go. So one of the things about a fantasy lover is that uh, we expect our partners to mind read. We forget to tell them things, but we, we assume they're supposed to know them anyway. We, uh, we get mad or we get upset about something and we don't tell our partners and we expect that they should know that we're mad because we slam the cabinet door. I mean, after all, what, do you, what does it take for me to, for you to know that I'm mad? Um, uh, we, uh, we want things, roses, um, romantic dinners, candlelight, nice, uh, romantic bathtub scenes we want those things but we haven't ever asked for those things and we, we ask our part we, we then we're mad at our partners because they don't deliver and when I ask people about that in therapy they commonly say well he should just know she should just know why is that well, that's because I've got a fantasy idea that I should be able to crawl back in the womb. Once I fall in love, then I can just crawl back in the womb and all my needs will be supplied automatically without me having to ever ask for what I need ever again. That's a fantasy lover. And, it's, and, and so we spend a lot of time being mad at our partners because they can't read our minds, which they, they never can do. They never will be able to do and they never should have to. That's a lazy man's uh, uh, approach to love. So, you know, if you want something, tell your partner what you want. If you And they may not be able to deliver, but at least you will have asked. And at least the, the, the 
lines of communication are open and free there. Um, so mind reading is one of those things. Another one of those things is a kind of oneness. Now, we've heard this mythology passed down to us from uh, uh, many, many years, many centuries, that uh, once you, you get married or you are partnered with somebody, you, uh, the two become one. And it's even uh, written in the Bible that way, the two become one flesh. Well, in the sense that they create and procreate children that are one flesh, there's that truth. But in the sense that that we are joined at the hip and therefore can telepathically communicate our thoughts to the other person so we don't have to, they don't ever have to, we don't ever have to ask for what we want or tell somebody when we're mad or any of those other things that mind reading leaves out um, we're not one we're two people that's what we need to remember is there's two individuals in a relationship that's what makes it a relationship is that there are two people now maybe there is a, a joining of hearts and a joining of minds in some areas but but that doesn't mean that you stop being who you are and so many times I find that people have given up themselves for their partner. They've just, and they'll say to me, I just lost myself. Once, they've, once they sort of wake up a little bit to the idea that um, there, there's much of who they are that's been diminished or just completely left out of the relationship, they begin to say, well, I've lost myself. And that's, we do that based in a mythology that we should be one, that we should give up who we are for our partners. We should live out of an unrealistic paradigm instead of living out of the real, true, actual relationship that we have. So um, we, we, you know, our partner wants something and we get it for him. We don't ask ourselves whether or not we want the same thing. Um, our partner wants to move to Ethiopia and so we just go because that's what we think we should do as a husband or a wife or a partner. And we just do it because that's what you do when you love somebody. You just do what they want. You're supposed to make them happy. You're supposed to be loving and kind at all times. And that's and so you do. You do that. But problem is that uh, it isn't real. And so what's happening all along is that you're losing more and more of your own identity, losing more and more of your sense of self as you progress in the relationship. So finally one day you go, there's no me here anymore. There is no me. There's only this, this other person. And what does that mean? That means there's only one person in the relationship. And that is the only way that we can have oneness in the way it's been described biblically and otherwise, that that one person has to give up who they are for the other one. And then it's not a relationship anymore. There's just one person in the relationship, and it's the one that's, that's not given up anything. Um, Sometimes I find that both parties are trying to do that, where both parties are, are trying to give up everything that, that, that they are in order to keep the relationship. And what they find out eventually is they don't even love each other. They've just been giving up in, out of a bunch of shoulds and ought tos and have tos, and they don't even love each other anymore. They just, uh, they just are hanging out together, and they're kind of sick of each other. They've never fought. They've never uh, been... Uh, unkind or, or untoward towards each other. They've never um, um, ma- had any problems with, that they would define as a problem in the relationship. They've just got this real big empty hole between them and the other person because there's nobody in the relationship. Both parties have given up who they are 
to salvage the relationship. And the relationship is now empty and void of anyone. So a relationship is made of two people, both of whom are individuals with their own individual interests, their own individual values, their own individual desires, their own individual soul patterns, their own individuality. And when we give that up for our partners, the relationship is going to go to eventually. So uh, when, when, when we give it up, it's based in a myth. So uh, you know, we need to keep in mind that we don't need to lose our individuality for a relationship, no relationship. Um, there, there's another myth that sort of goes along with the fantasy lover, too, that really is interesting that it's a kind of a, a backhanded way of having a fantasy lover, which is, you know, everybody talks about how your sexuality fades in the first couple of years after you've been together a couple of years, you've had lots of sex and it starts to fade and you start to lose interest in each other. And so there's thousands and thousands of couples all over the United States who just aren't having sex anymore. I, I hear it every day in my office. Somebody, people come in and they say, you know, we, no, we're not, we don't have sex. We haven't had sex in months and months and months. Um, and then it's really hard to get sexuality back into the relationship because there's this awkward thing you have to walk through in order to get to the other side where you're able to to um, initiate sex again. Um, but sexuality does not have to do that. Sexuality can become warmer and richer and more spiritual as the relationship grows deeper and more intimate. Um, it, uh, it, it, is, it is really possible for two people to become more sexual. That doesn't mean they have sex more often. It just means that when they are sexual, it is, uh, it is a very powerful union, a very deep connection that they feel. And maybe it doesn't happen that way every single time. I'm not looking for some kind of fantasy lover here. Uh, but it, it can be true that uh, both parties experience their relationship on a deeper level because of their sexuality and relationship. So uh, the idea that, it, that a relationship goes from hot to cold, that it's really hot, steamy sex in the beginning, and then eventually there's nothing, the flame goes out, um, that's, that's another mythology that's just not true. We have to work at relationship intimacy, building relationship intimacy. We can't let fear keep us from being courageous enough to tell our partners what's really going on inside of us. And by that, I don't mean I'm mad at you and then, you know, that's it. But to, to find out what fear goes behind the anger, what sorrow goes behind the anger, what, what pain, what hurt goes behind the anger um, that I'm trying to protect just with anger. So to be able to reveal to your partner your deepest feelings is what we're talking about here. And that is what builds intimacy. So the, the mythology says, I don't really have to build intimacy. I've got a fantasy lover who already knows everything and that's how it is. Um, and I, and, and, you know, uh, and, and therefore I don't really have to work at anything. Um, relationship is work. It's not, we're going to talk about another myth that says that my relationship is all work. It's not all work, but it is work. So we have to keep that in mind and we have to be able to be prepared to be mature enough to realize that the relationships that we can have um, that are meaningful, real, authentic relationships are those where we put enough energy into them to get out of them what they've come to give us. And uh, so, uh, so there's not a hot to cold. Uh, it doesn't go that way. There is no sense of loss of self when we get in relationship. That's not, that's a mythology. 
mind reading as a mythology and of course the fantasy lover that sort of is the foundational premise of all of this is also a fantasy a, a mythology that we have in relationship um, when we're going to talk about some more myths and what what they mean and what can what the real truth is right after this so stay tuned for more we'll be right back The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Sit back, relax, breathe. Reconnect to the still, small voice within. Take the time to make a weekly visit to the sounds of the heart with host Sandy Goldstone. This unique program will help you cultivate and strengthen your heart's connection and feel love, beauty, and joy. You don't need to fear or suffer. Heed the call. Say yes to living from the heart's truth. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Join the evolving consciousness of humanity. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And today we're talking about uh, the mythologies of relationship and how they interfere with a real or authentic relationship. And what we said thus far is there's a sort of foundational sort of premise of a fantasy lover and what that should look like, um, in which mind reading is one of the things that we expect from our lover. We expect them to be able to read our minds, and um, that expectation causes lots of fights, lots of miscommunications, and um, a lot of disappointment in relationship. We also believe that we should, you know, uh, become one person. And what that generally means is that one or both parties is going to give up who they are for the relationship, which means the relationship is going to crash and burn. We also said that relationships don't have to go from hot, steamy, wonderful, beautiful, exciting, you know, sex like bunnies unto uh, no sex. It doesn't have to work like that. Intimacy can grow in a relationship so that relationships become more more spiritually sexual, more profoundly sexual, and um, um, that the 
the meaningful relationship grows and grows because sexuality is a part of that. So the, I, I'm going to give you a little bell today that I want to go off in your brains every time you hear somebody say this or you think it yourself. There's a phrase that, that I want to attach to this bell, and the phrase is, if you love me, you would. So every time you hear that phrase in your own head or in some coming out of somebody else's mouth, there I want some bells to go off in your head that just go, oh, ring a ding a ding a ding a ding something's really wrong here. Somebody wants me to play fantasy lover. Um, because you, if you love me, you would, is at first an extremely manipulative statement. It is meant to guilt the other party into a compliance with something that you want. And it is meaningless because love is not attached to certain kinds of behaviors, except that, as Oprah says so beautifully, love looks like love. And we're going to talk a little bit about how love looks like love. But uh, basically what we think, uh, as I said with earlier with the fantasy lover, if you love me, you would give me everything that I want. You would make me completely happy. And I have literally heard people say, that's what my husband or my wife is supposed to do. They're supposed to give me everything I want because that, that's what my, a lover, a good husband or a good wife is supposed to do. That's his or her role. And, of course, they're going to be disappointed because nobody can do that. Uh, you know, you, the only time that that ever could be done is in the womb. And I'm not even sure it can be done then because I, we don't know what our infants want. We just know that we're taking care of their basic biological needs. Um, so, so it is not possible for someone to give you everything you want. And if you want something, it's your job to go get it. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. If you want something, it's your job to go get it. It's not your partner's job to get it for you. So this idea that if you love me, you give me everything I want, um, it, you know, we don't want to even say that out loud. We don't want to put that, we, you know, because we know how unrealistic it is, and yet we feel it. So many times we feel, well, you're supposed to give me everything I want. I'm supposed to be perpetually happy because I'm married to you. But no, happiness is an inside job. Nobody else can make you happy. Let me say that again. Nobody else can make you happy. Happiness is something you have to go find on your own. And I don't necessarily mean go out in the world and find it. I mean go inside yourself and find it because that's where it is. It's not out in the world and it's not given to you by somebody else. It's yours to find. It's your treasure. I like to go back to that old uh, story that uh, the beautiful storyteller Clarissa Pinkola Estes tells us she talked about and I'm not going to say it as beautifully as she does but she talks about three sons being told by their father that they could go out into the world and, and get their treasures and she, he gave them each some money and said go find your treasure and two of the boys went off in different directions to find their treasure and the third boy just stands there on the mountaintop thinking and the father says, well, go get your treasure. What are you standing here for? Go, go, go. And the son just keeps standing there. The father tells him to go again, and the son keeps standing there. And this goes on for a while until the son finally bends over and starts digging a hole right under his feet. And he digs and digs and digs and digs and digs and digs and digs until finally he finds a treasure chest down there under his own feet. And that's where our treasures are. They're under our own feet. They're right here. They're not out there. They're not over there. They're not in somebody else's hands, and they, nobody else has the power to give them to us. They're inside of us, and we have to go digging for them. So 
To give somebody else responsibility for making you happy is to never be happy. Let me say that again. To give someone else responsibility for your happiness is to never be happy. Nobody else can make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. So uh, the idea that if you loved me, you would make me happy is a complete myth. And of course, then people end up in therapy because they're waiting around for their partner to make them happy. And they wonder why their partner hasn't made them happy. And they're blaming their life problems on their partner. And my life is so hard because you didn't love me enough. Uh, None of that's true. All of it's a myth. Um, So along with that, under that subheading comes, you should take care of me. Well, what does taking care of me mean? It means that when I have a need, you're going to take care of it. When I don't want to have to deal with something, you're going to take care of it. When I am hungry, you're going to feed me. When I'm thirsty, you're going to give me drink. When I'm um, tired, you're going to rub my feet. When you're, you know, whatever's going on with me, you're going to fix it. And I see so many relationships that are bent around that that myth. Uh, and the relationship is very distorted and and you know, screwed in tight to this mythology that one person has the responsibility of taking care of the other. And then when they talk about it, they'll say, well, aren't we supposed to take care of each other? And my answer is no. (laughs) And they look at me like, what are you, nuts? Uh, But the answer is no, we're not supposed to take care of each other. We're supposed to care about each other, but we're not supposed to take care of each other. And what that what taking care of each other tends to mean is I'm going to fix your life and you're going to fix mine. And if my life goes awry, it'll be your fault because you haven't fixed it good enough. So again, it comes under that heading of if you love me, you would. And that comes under the heading of fantasy lover. Um, you tolerate my mistreatment. If you tolerate my mistreatment, my bad moods, my hollering at you, my, you know, uh, not to say that everybody doesn't yell sometimes. I think people, uh, everyone on the planet yells sometimes. Uh, but but to say that, you know, I'm going to be regularly all day every day yelling at you or screaming at you and uh, verbally abusing you, emotionally abusing you, mentally abusing you, uh, psychologically abusing you, all of those ways of abusing you to say that, you know, I can do that because you're my lover and it doesn't matter how I treat you. You're supposed to love me anyway because that's what love does. You're supposed to tolerate my mistreatment. And when you don't, then you don't love me. If you loved me, you would tolerate my mistreatment. And if we could actually hear ourselves saying that, we would know how ridiculous that statement is. But we don't hear ourselves saying it because we're in denial that we're actually mistreating someone else. And yet we are. Uh, So, you know, that idea is also based in the fantasy lover that I can do anything I want to you, but you'll hang around and you'll forgive me and you'll love me because that's the way it's supposed to be. I have worked with many people who've lost a relationship based on that, that, you know, the the partner got tired of putting up with maltreatment and finally left. Maybe they were being cheated on. Maybe they weren't being, they weren't allowing intimacy. Maybe they weren't having sex. Maybe they weren't, in, you know, really engaged in the relationship. Maybe they weren't being honest. Maybe they were being verbally, emotionally, phys- uh, or otherwise abusive. And uh, then the partner finally got tired of it and left. And then they come to therapy and go, "Wow, my partner left me." <laughs> I'm sorry to put it that way, but yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's 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 a big old why. How could they leave me? How could they dare leave me? I was such a catch, even though I mistreated them so badly. Um, So then we have to work with, well, how did you treat them? 
Well, guess what? When you treat people that way, they finally get tired of it and they leave. So don't be surprised if somebody else leaves you if you treat them that way. And there, so there's just a mythology that goes behind that that says, well, I just don't understand. I thought if somebody loved me, I could do whatever I wanted. And, uh, and sometimes that comes with a bully identity, but sometimes it's just a real mythology about somebody's going to stay and tolerate me no matter what. And maybe that's because they got raised to believe that. Maybe their parents tolerated a lot of misbehavior. I don't know. But whatever it comes from, it's there, and it's a mythology. Um, you, the myth that, uh, you know, along with taking care of me, you're supposed to explain me to other people. So suppose I'm really, really shy. This is just one example of many. Suppose I'm really, really shy, and I really can't talk. And we go to therapy together, and the therapist asks me something, but you answer for me. And the therapist looks back at me and says, well, I need for you to answer, but you answer for me again. And what's happening there is we're demonstrating to the therapist the pattern that we have, that you'll do my talking for me because I'm shy and you'll handle it for me. So I don't really ever have to communicate. The problem is that now my partner is also mad at me because I won't talk to him or her either. Um, I don't communicate, and, I'm, and I just don't want to have to be bothered with that. So you'll do my thinking for me, and you'll read my mind, and you'll say what I want to say. And very often, that person is coupled with somebody else who will do it all, who will bridge all the gaps by trying to figure out what you think and saying it for you. It, you know, I know that you love me. I know that you, you, you understand what I'm trying to say. Those kind of statements aren't really valid because what they're saying is, um, I I believe I'm mind reading you. I'm telling you what I think you're thinking, and I'm giving that information to you so that you you don't really even have to think it or be responsible for speaking it. Um, and what that means is one person is taking responsibility for the entirety of the relationship, or at least the communication in the relationship. So that's just one example of how you might have to explain me to others, or suppose that my behavior at a party is really out, you know, outstandingly. Um, inappropriate at a party and uh you know you have to tell other people well he's just had a bad day or he's had a headache or you know he's a little drunk or whatever that you've got to explain me to other people and they'll understand because you've explained them to me that means i'm not responsible for my behavior i don't really have to look out for what i do to other people i can just do whatever i want and you'll fix that for me so again that's a part of the fantasy love me uh, the fantasy lover and a part of the idea that if you love me you will um you're going to take responsibility for me and my behavior. So let's say I'm an alcoholic and we have children and I used to have a job, but I lost that. I'm going to go get another job and I'm going to lose that. I'm going to get another job and I'm going to lose that because I need to drink and that's what I need to do. And sometimes I get really mad and I hit you because, you know, I'm drunk and I can't help it. I'm just drunk or I say really violent, uh, harsh things to you. I can't help it. I was just drunk. I, you know, I didn't really mean all that. I was just drunk. Um, and so you'll call the boss for me and explain that I'm out sick even though I'm home drunk. You'll spend extra time with the children, taking care of the children because I'm not doing it. And you'll explain my behavior to the children and probably lie to them about what I, what's really going on. Um, you'll take care of the bank account. You'll have an extra job um, because I'm not working. You'll, you'll make sure that everything's okay for me, so now all I have to do is go get another drink. 
that's you taking responsibility for me and my behavior. And that's an extreme example, but it can happen and does happen very frequently in relationships. And it's based in the mythology that if you love me, you'll take responsibility for my behavior. And I have literally heard people say, I just don't understand. You know, I thought you were going to take care of me. When the partner finally has had enough and says, you know, no, I can't be with you anymore because you're drunk all the time and you mistreat me and the children and you're not being responsible for the children, you're not holding your financial end of this relationship up, you're not being present here. I might as well not have a partner. What good are you? (laughs) So basically that. And, you know, uh, so again, it's based in that idea that if you love me, you will. And it's, that's further based in the fantasy lover, that fantasy lover is going to take care of everything. The other thing is, and this is one of those things that's really difficult in relationships, is that when if you love me, you will never challenge me. You will never confront me with my own behavior. You will never hold up a mirror and make me have to look in it. You will never do that to me. <laughs> And, of course, that's one of the, as a therapist, the way I think is that one of the primary benefits of a relationship is that the partners challenge each other to grow, to look in the mirror and see, oh, my God, that's what I'm doing, or, or see some beautiful trait that I have ignored or dismissed, um, to, to really grow into yourself at a deeper level can can be enhanced through a partnership where both parties are willing to say, did you see that blind spot over there? Um, Did you see that you just stepped on my heart? Did you notice that when you did that, people in the room were reacting a certain way? Uh, Are you aware that you have this beautiful ability to communicate to people making this wonderful eye contact and, and, you know, meaningfully reaching out to them? Uh, You know, these are the ways that we uh, show each other who we are. And it can happen very easily in relationship. And when we're single, we don't necessarily get that kind of feedback. We might from a really close friend. But uh, one of the benefits, one of the perks of a primary relationship is uh, having someone hold up a mirror and let us see who we are, both good and bad, both light and dark, I want to say. So... When we feel like we should never be challenged, uh, that, you know, our partners, what th- this idea comes from an old idea of an enmeshed family where, you know, we, we, we got each other's backs. We, we don't, you know, uh, confront each other with anything. We don't, we don't talk about that stuff. You know, you can, you can do bad stuff, you know, in our family dynamic, but we're not going to talk about it. And when it comes to me defending you, I will defend you to the nth degree. I'll lie for you. I'll do whatever I need to do. So it comes from that basic idea of an enmeshed family. Um, but it's based in, I really don't want to know me. I'm not sure I like that person if I get to know me. Um, and I really don't want you knowing me because that might make me feel embarrassed. So don't challenge me. Don't tell me about what you see in me. And, uh, and I think that's really uh, a significant loss in a relationship, that we don't challenge each other. And it's based in the idea that if you love me, you got my back and you won't ever tell me about my, my you know, indiscretions or my the things that I don't even know I'm up to uh, because that's embarrassing and you don't want to embarrass me. And that it's again, that's a part of the fantasy lover, that you'll just make my life easy and everything will be great and we won't have to think about things, we don't have to go deep, we don't have to do any work. And those relationships nowadays crash and burn really quickly. 
Um, we see it all the time and we wonder why. Well, it's because we're not really willing to be real in a relationship. So, all right, we're going to talk about that some more. we got a few more uh, of myths to cover before the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. It's important to know as energetic beings how to feel grounded and healthy. We strive to help teach about the energetics within you and the world around you. Listen for Three Petals Healing with host Lauren Dillon Merrill. Through her experience and that of her guests, Lauren will bring you the support, encouragement, and knowledge to discover this every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about relationship myths, and we've already discovered that there are several uh, relationship myths that fall under the category of the fantasy lover, meaning including mind reading, the idea that one person should have to give up himself or herself for the relationship, called oneness, that the idea that sexuality fades and gets less interesting as you get move longer and longer into a relationship. All the you you love me ifs that we've talked about, you can take care of me, you give me everything I want, you tolerate my mistreatment, you explain me to others, you take responsibility for me, and you never challenge me. So we've already talked about those. If you want to hear those, again, go back and listen to the earlier segments when the show is in archives. Um, But we're going to move forward now with some more. One of the ideas that I see a lot of people have that falls under the category of the fantasy lover is never having a fight. Um, I have people come in to see me very commonly who tell me, well, we don't ever fight. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what are you doing in therapy? Um, we don't have any problems. They're, they're sort of bragging about, well, we don't have any problems. But then they finally get to, yeah, well, everything's just kind of grown cold. We don't have sex. We don't talk to each other much. Kind of like roommates. We just kind of hang out every now and then and don't even spend a whole lot of time together because I'd rather be with my friends and she'd rather be with hers. There's that. Um, so we don't know what happened, and we don't know how this happened. And you know what's happened? They never had a fight. 
They need to have a good rousing fight, a couple of them. And, you know, so what we want to know is what are you burying? What, what is it that you're burying that you've built your walls out of? What are you pretending is okay that isn't okay that you've built your walls out of? And maybe some of it will turn out to be fantasies, mythologies about a relationship that you think ought to be happening. But whatever it is, it needs to come out on the table. And it doesn't need to be hidden anymore. So I find that these are usually two people who are fairly reticent about talking to each other. They're usually two people who don't, who maybe feel a little shy. Maybe they uh, have a, a lot of shoulds in their minds about how they ought to behave. Maybe they think it's right to sacrifice themselves for the relationship. But whatever the case, they're not talking to each other. They're not telling each other what they resent. They're not telling each other what they like. They're not telling each other what they don't like. They're not telling each other when their feelings are hurt. They're not telling each other what they, which restaurant they'd like to go to as opposed to the other one that the other party wants to go to. They're not talking. And so they don't, they, their relationship goes cold. It dries up. There's nothing there anymore. Um, so a relationship is meant to grow the seed of intimacy into a big, huge, gigantic oak tree. So that when we when we start off the relationship, we start off by getting to know each other, not by hopping in the bed with each other, but by getting to know each other. And maybe, you know, sex will become a part of that, but, it, but the idea is to get to know the person. We, in this particular time in our history with regard to relationship, we don't want to spend the time to get to know each other. We just want something hot and sweet and fast and furious and doesn't this feel good and let's get married. <laughs> uh, and it's got to be solid, solidified right away because if it's not, well, then it might go away. It might slip through our hands like water, you know, and, and we won't be able to hold on to it. Uh, so we, we grab hold of it and we move too fast and we then then we don't ever try to get to know each other. Not having a fight is another way of not getting to know each other. We need a partner who is willing to stand in the, in the uh, boxing ring and duke it out with us long enough for us to get to something called truth. And, uh, you know, we sometimes have to just duke it out until we can say, oh, that's what's really going on between us. I see. And that doesn't mean stubbornly holding on to what you think is right and the other person is wrong, but rather to, to, to say what you think is real and have the other person say what they think is real until both of you get to enough realness to come to some kind of common ground. Even if it's to agree to disagree, at least there's a common ground there. Um, so never having a fight is another way of destroying a relationship. Uh, the, another thing that we look for, in, and this is, falls under the category of fantasy lover again, is uh, someone who looks, talks, acts, walks, quacks, just like us. You know, they're supposed to have the same interests of us, as us. They're supposed to have the same values as us. They're supposed to have the same, you know, parental, the family background as us. They're supposed to have the same ideas about finances as us. They're supposed to want the same number of children we want. They're supposed to be just like us. And that is um, just about as rare as, you know, a $2 bill. So uh, we are going to have some differences. Now, it is important to have compatibility. Most people think compatibility is based in interests, but it's not. You can have divergent interests, like one of you likes to hike and the other doesn't, or one of you likes to, to uh, you know, uh, collect coins and the other one doesn't, whatever. 
you you can have divergent interests and still maintain a real solid relationship. Where compatibility falls into the, uh, you know, becomes an issue is when, when, when it's about values. Um, I have some deep um, ethical values about, you know, what uh, family means. You don't. You don't have much respect for family at all. You don't think family matters. You don't think it's important. Um, now, it's possible to come to common ground with those divergent values, but if you don't come to a common brown, ground, there's going to be some major incompatibility. Um, if, uh, if one of you is a kick-the-dog kind of person and another one loves animals, that's probably going to be, the values are going to be destructive there when they get, you know, you can't kick the dog when I believe that dogs are sacred. You can't do that and, and, and expect the relationship to the other party to be respected. Um, not that I would ever think that kicking a dog is a good thing to do, but, um, it, it, when we, uh, when one person believes that the relationship is a solid, um, lifelong commitment and the other person doesn't believe it's that, I see that all the time where one party is really, you know, in it and, and committed and the other party's hanging around because they feel guilty uh, and they feel um, like they're going to hurt the other party's feelings by saying, I'm not really, I don't really want a commitment. They're hanging around, but they really don't want a commitment. That's a divergent value that's just too incompatible. They're not, it's not going to last. This relationship is not going to work. So compatibility is important, um, but you can have divergent interests. And, um, and, and it's important to understand that um, the other party doesn't have to look, act, walk, talk, talk just like us. There's a, there's a little bit of narcissism in that idea that if you look just like me, if you have the same interests as me, if you have the same values as me, if you have the same everything as me, then, then I look better. Then I feel better about myself because I found somebody else who validates all about me. So there's a little bit of narcissism there. And we need to recognize that and just go, well, okay, it's allow- you're allowed to be different from me, and yet I can still love you. And that's a factor of maturity that comes with age and, and, and you know, the hard knocks of life that helps us understand that um, it's hard to find somebody that's just exactly like us. On the other hand, another mythology is that opposites attract. Now, um, it, it isn't true that you should have to be with somebody who is so different from you that you can't even understand them. We do want people who get us. We do want primary uh, partners to get us, to understand us, to be able to wrap their heads around what we do, to, to see that what we do is valuable to us, to not have a hard time seeing that. Um, but when, when we're so different that we can't even understand each other, then you stop communicating. Because everything you say can't really be understood anyway, so you stop communicating, and then the relationship starts taking a turn for the worse. Um, so the idea that opposites attract, what Carl Jung used to say about opposites attracting uh, when he was doing the typology was that uh, opposites attract, but then they start trying to turn the other one into me. So if I'm attracted to you and you're opposite from me, then I'm going to eventually want you to be more like me, so I'm going to start giving you lectures and 
you know, getting mad at you when you're not like me and trying to keep you from being yourself and trying to tell you that you ought to be different than who you are and there's something wrong with you for being who you are. And I'm going to try to do that. So uh, that's what he said that happens after opposites attract. And so it's not necessarily true that opposites attract um, or it's a mythology and it doesn't bode well for, for good, healthy relationships where compatibility is high on the criterion list. Uh, another thing that's really damaging to relationships and, um, and is a part of the mythology is that keeping secrets is a good thing. You know, we come from a history of relationship where manipulation, where girls were taught to manipulate men. I'm talking about heterosexual relationships here. But that floods into all the other kinds of relationships there are that we're taught to manipulate by not really telling people what we think, but just trying to get them to sort of ease into it by manipulating them. Um, So a girl was supposed to play hard to get. And she was never supposed to call the guy. These were the old rules back in the 1950s. And she was supposed to flirt, but not to be too flirtatious, because then she might be a slut. And she and he was supposed to make the first move. And there was just all these rules. And all those rules kept us from being able to be ourselves, to just really be who we were. And so we kept a lot of secrets and we manipulated our partners. And we brought that with us into marriage and we and or commitment. And we said... Uh, well, this is how it's supposed to be. You can't tell your partner these things. And that's just the opposite of how it works, how it really works in a good, healthy relationship. Is there, there, the, there might be a secret about what birthday present you're going to get your partner, <laughs> but there's no big secrets that are, that are uh, between the two partners. We're not keeping things from each other. We're not playing games. We're not following societal rules about how it ought to be in terms of manipulating another person. We're really just being really direct and honest with the other person so that they get to know us. And the point of being direct and honest is I want you to know me. I want you to know me and I want to know you. So don't hide who you are from me. Tell me what you're really thinking and feeling and, and I'll do the same. And then our relationship will grow in intimacy. It will grow in sexuality and it will grow in its deeper spiritual meaning. So that's really important. Another thing is this idea of working hard. You know how people say, oh, relationship is hard. Well, yeah, but it's not that hard. <laughs> okay. So what we, we don't want to do is keep drumming away and hammering away at this relationship that's so difficult, thinking that one day we're going to knock it into place. Um, because I've seen people do that, and they're working really hard, but the relationship is incompatible. They don't really like each other. They don't really, they're not in love anymore. There's a lot of power games going on. There's a lot of stuff that they're just not going to be able to heal, and they, they really probably should break it off, but they're not doing it because they're going to work hard, man. Relationship is hard. You're supposed to work hard in relationship. Well, yes, like I said, but not that hard. Um And if you find that you're working really, really hard in the first year of a relationship, you're in the wrong relationship. I mean, just, I'm going to put that out there. You're in the wrong relationship if you're having to work that hard in the early years of a relationship. What bothers you now is going to drive you crazy later, okay? (laughs) What bothers you in the earliest stages of a relationship is going to drive you crazy later. And I don't mean by that irritate you mildly. I mean make you feel like you can't be present in the relationship later. 
So uh, the idea of working hard can be a mythology too. Yes, it is work hard, but the the work is in ourselves. The work is, I want to I want to know myself so I can reveal myself to you. I want to know myself because I love myself and I want to know myself. But I also want to take that and reveal that to you. Um, that's the work. Uh, it's not in hammering the other person into place or getting the other person to do what we want or getting them to conform with to some ideal we've got that's probably based in the fantasy lover. So we've talked today about a lot of myths about relationship, and we've talked about what's really true as well. And um, these are just some of the ideas about relationship, that relationship is a whole complex um, inner dynamic between two people, and it, and it carries a lot of stuff. Mythology is only part of it. But the mythology is an important part of it because we can we can wreck a relationship. We can wreck a good relationship by putting a, a overlaid overlaying it with a lot of fantasy material about how it ought to be. Um, so, well, I wanted to really put that out there today for you to think about and process. And um, certainly, if you have questions, you can email me at Andrea at andreamatthews.com. I'll be happy to answer your questions or discuss that further with you. Um, and remember, next week we'll be back again with another show. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.